0: In late 2010, with much of Star Wars publishing geared toward tie-ins for the pending Star Wars The Old Republic game, author John Jackson Miller, working with editors at Dark Horse and Delray, broke new ground to introduce us to a new era of the far past of the galaxy far, far away. The result was the Knight Errant novel and comic series, and we're going to begin looking at these stories today. You're listening to Legends Library from the Star Wars book community. Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Legends Library from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Johnny Maynard, but as ever I am not alone. I am joined today by two Star Wars Legends aficionados to talk about the knight errant novel. And the first volume of the Knight Errant comics. First up, a voice we've not had on the show for a while, although he was classing up last week's Star Wars Podcast Day episode with his uh, super voice message. It's the mighty Books to Grammaticus himself, Alex Taylor. Hi, Alex. Good to have you back on the Old Legends Library.
1: Hello. It's so good to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: Great, great to hear your voice again. And back again is the legendary librarian himself, it's Jesse Gardner. Hi, Jess
2: hi johnny always a pleasure to be here
0: oh it's always great to have you here jess um now jess you've been on more episodes of legends library i i think than any of our any of the other regulars um (laughs) we finally got through all of these tie-in comics and novels to the star wars the old republic video game you know which i think we we started way back in late summer last year so it's taken a while you know i guess it's been a minute. We, we took a bit of a hiatus after Halloween, and uh, we've moved to this sort of new fortnightly format. So we've kind of slowed down a little. Um, but you know, I, I think it's fair to say we enjoyed most of that stuff. But are you glad to finally be out the other side of that material and be diving into a new era?
2: I am. Yeah, it's been a pleasure because this whole era is basically new to me. And so I've had an absolute blast. Some of the material, like you said, has definitely been better than others. But I'm really excited to be moving on to the Knight Errant that we're going to discuss today.
0: Yeah, me too. As we were getting closer to this era, I kept kind of wishing away the time because I really wanted to talk about these um, these comics and this novel. Um, Alex, And I, I think from conversations that we've had before, um you you maybe share some of my ambivalence about the sort of the unambitious and slightly prequel derivative aesthetic of this of the the old republic branded stuff
1: yeah that's that's one reason you haven't heard from me in a while because i i i read that's that's exactly yeah
0: (laughs) That's exactly
1: what I was going to ask
0: you. Is, is that part of the reason we haven't heard from you for a bit? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I just yeah. I just never had much enthusiasm for them. Um I get there it. is there is some good material there, some kind of diamonds in the rough, but just not um It's pretty rough. Not not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it goes from I, I, really strong in the the earlier nights of the Old Republic period. Oh yeah. With the uh the 90s uh, comics and and then of course uh, Miller's own Knights of the Old Republic, yeah, uh, comic uh, that that we talked about on the podcast before as a trio, um, and then um, yeah after that it, it uh, the the stuff dealing with the um, the MMO which which I still have not played very much of at all and I think I think that's yeah. a part of my um, ambivalence, um, Johnny I think you've you've played some of it.
0: I've dipped in, but um, yeah. Yeah, as I was explaining to our guest Brad uh, on the episode where, we, where he came on, thankfully, to tell us about the game because my my experience is really <laughs> limited. Um, you know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. running a, a wheezing Microsoft Surface Pro that is not <laughs> geared to running. You know, what is what is a, quite an old game now, but still packs a wallop on does, the hardware yeah. that you're using. You know, so. Um, I haven't had the best experience trying to access the game. And I think the accessibility of the game is something that hurts not only the game, but I think the the media around the game, you know, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, But, you know, we're moving on. Um, and, And as much as, you know, Jess and I certainly have enjoyed chatting about some of that stuff in recent months. Um, Fair to say we're, we're we're keen to to dive into this new era. So so let's give the folks listening a little bit of context for today's chat. Today we're talking about Knight Errant written by the great John Jackson Miller. Um, We're going to focus today on the first volume of the comics run, which started in November, 2010 and ran for 15 issues or three volumes in total. Uh, That first volume comprised of the first five issues was subsequently published in trade paperback form. With the subtitle A Flame in July 2011. Uh, on art duties, there we've got Federico Adelocchio and Ivan Rodriguez. And we're also today going to look at the novel, also simply titled Night Errant, first published in January 2011, so just a few months into the comic run. Uh, and then republished just last week uh, as we record this in February 2024 uh, as part of the Essential Legends collection. So I guess today's chat's kind of timely in in, in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John Jackson Miller, an author author that you've already mentioned, Alex, um, who wrote the Knights of the Old Republic Mm -hmm. comics that we talked about before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was that the last time we had you on the show, Alex? I think it might have been. I think it was, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Have you already gotten around to discussing the uh, the Lost uh, Sith series that uh, that right. Miller did? Oh, that's good stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, so of course. Yeah, yeah. John Jackson Miller, also author of that Lost Tribe of the Sith uh, collection of short stories, Jess. Mm-hmm. That, that that was one of the, I think that was one of the first episodes, Jess. You and I did as a two hander, just the two of us. And I, yeah. I'm still, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of astonished that we got through that entire collection in several millennia. Of the lost tribes' history in once in one hour. Um, that was true. That was- I, I it, it, it was not only a really, really good chat, but I, I'm just really super impressed with us that we managed to do it. Um, <laughs> So if you're newer to the podcast, um, folks listening, uh, please do scroll back through the podcast feed and seek out those episodes of Legends Library because there's, there's some great stuff in there, both on the Knights of the Old Republic, comics by John Jackson Miller and indeed his Lost Tribe of the Sith short stories. Uh, and of course, John Jackson Miller would go on to write the Legends novel Kenobi and the New Dawn, which was the first adult novel in, in the new canon. And he's finally coming back to Star Wars after a decade away. He's been doing Star Trek and other things in the meantime um yes new novel oh yes the living force due in april you're looking forward to that alex aren't you oh i'm so excited about
1: that
2: yeah
0: yeah well what about you jess you're 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 a jjm fan right oh
2: yeah i'm really that's already pre-ordered and waiting i'm definitely looking forward to that one
0: well that, that that's that's coming up in a couple of months, but back to Knight Errant, Um let, let's establish some uh timeline and plot context for the chat. Um just in case there's anybody listening who maybe hasn't actually read it yet and is using this this as their uh as their as their bluffers guide. Um so the events here kick off in the year uh 1032 BBY. So we've jumped a couple of millennia. From the events of the Great Galactic War between the Republic and the Sith Empire, as relayed in the Star Wars The Old Republic the online game and tie in media. Uh, and this puts us about a generation or so prior to the rise of Darth Bane, as told in other comics and novels that we're going to look at in the show in the months ahead. Uh, Our main character here is Jedi Knight Kara Holt, trapped by early events of the story in Sith-controlled space and looking for ways to do some good wherever she can. Arrayed against her is a pantheon of Sith Lords, who are fortunately more concerned with fighting each other than with tracking down one lone Jedi. Uh, The novel can be read without any background, but the first volume of the comics precedes it chronologically, so that's that's part of the reason we're going to cover both of those. Today, before we get too deep into the plot, let's chat a little bit about the scenario and you know the galaxy as as we pick it up here, um, sort of several millennia after the the last stuff chronologically that that precedes it uh alex i mean what do you make um of sort of the the political landscape of this era thinking particularly about what we're seeing in sith space first of all
1: yeah it's um it's very interesting it's uh it's not like anything that we have seen before or really since in star wars and i i think that's that's very much by design they were looking for a kind of change of pace here um, mm. This era is referred to as uh, the New Sith Wars to distinguish them from the the Great Sith War uh, that that came previously, and also the uh, the Republic Dark Age. What we see in Sith space here, I think, is kind of reminiscent of the uh, the classical Greek city states or polis, uh, but like turned on their heads. So, so in a yeah. few centuries BC. You have Athens, Delphi, Sparta, these, these various uh, city states that were all making these experiments in different ways of, of running themselves, different ways of, of yeah. governing their, their people. And uh, so you have all these very different arrangements, you know, r- rubbing elbows right next to each other in in Greece. Um, and, uh, you know, you have everything from, from these very totalitarian kind of states to uh, you know, the, like the Athenian democracy and so on. Uh, but it's like here, Miller is asking, well, what would that be like if they were all run by insane supermen? Um, <laughs> yeah. just, yeah. You know, it's, it's a very interesting situation. And it's, it's also a little bit like the period, uh, following the, the collapse of the Western Roman empire in the fifth century. Mm-hmm. So you, you still have the flame of civilization alive and well off in, you know, in our history in Constantinople, or or in mm-hmm. Star Wars here in Coruscant and the Core Worlds, um, but that doesn't very much help all the people who are stuck in what is now a wild frontier. It's a yeah, it's a crazy time.
0: It really is. It really is. Um, but 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 I'm I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. Um, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to talking about some of those crazy, uh, insane Superman um, <laughs> running their. <laughs> running their various little fiefdoms all all across Sith space. Um, I mean, we get few clues about what's going on back in the Republic, you know, after the, and after the first few issues, Kara Holt is really the only Jedi character left that we're following. And she's stuck behind the lines in Sith space. Jess, Mm -hmm. what do you make of the Jedi as far as we see them here or or in terms of, as as far as we learn anything about them?
2: You really don't learn that much. I feel like maybe Vanner, Thrace, and Carol Holt are the last holdout of the Master Arca lineage and mm-hmm. they're, because they seem to be a little more defiant than the standard prequel Jedi. Because of like, we can't do this, but hey, we're going to go do it anyway.
0: Yeah. And I like yeah. the
2: Jedi, and it felt very much more like Master Arca rather than the later prequel so I always enjoy that
0: yeah, because we we have seen that sort of evolution, haven't we? We've sort of seen the uh, sort of the, you know, the, the master arc of, school of thought um, in, in the tales of the Jedi comics, but certainly then by the time we get to Knights of the Old Republic comics, it feels a little bit more organised. Not least because that's been influenced by what George Lucas did in the prequels, and they're trying to bring some yeah. of that language into into play. Some of of their storytelling. Yeah, we really have seen that evolution of it sort of becoming a more much more centralised, structured thing. But I guess here we're seeing only just little glimpses of the republic and the jedi and, and i think there's a there's there a couple of lines here and there where you realize oh actually the, the chancellor of the republic is a jedi master in this era right um and yeah. it's, it, it's just it's just a little sort of blink and you'll miss it reference you know so, it's, so a, a, a jedi, a... the jedi at this point are the, the Jedi at this point are hopelessly institutionalized as part of the the poli- of the political apparatus of this of the Republic in this era. But you do have, as you said, Jess, these you know Jedi like Van Trace, Cara's um, master, and Cara, who are doing these. It feels like they're not unsanctioned missions, but the Jedi and the Republic are kind of turning a blind eye to their insertions into yeah. space and what they're doing. Right?
2: They're not exactly Council approved, but they're not really looked frowned upon. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. That was my impression. Exactly. Well, we're over here. Let's go help where we can.
1: Something that stood out to me on this read through was the similarity to what we see in the Clone Wars. We're all familiar with the idea that the Jedi are kind of losing their way in that <clears throat> period by becoming too enmeshed in Republic politics. Yeah. Whereas here, um we, we don't see very much at all of what's going on in the, in the Republic and, and with the Jedi order. Um, mm-hmm. But like uh, Johnny, you pointed out, um, it actually, it gets dropped very subtly in Influx, the short story that acts as a, as a prequel to yes. uh, comics. That the, that the Supreme Chancellor at this time is uh, a Jedi consular. Yeah. Um, uh, so th- so that's like, wow, that that's even, even more closely enmeshed with with politics than we've seen in the clone wars um yeah so it was clearly a very desperate time
0: yeah, we, yeah. which again sort of brings bring, brings to my mind more of a throwback to sort of medieval and classical references to you know just the, the idea maybe of you know the a, a king for example being the head of a state and the head of the church in that area or, you know, the, yeah. the, the merging, right. the merging of um, powers, spiritual and temporal, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. One, yeah. In one yes. figurehead. It kind of feels, it feels like a throwback to that kind of thing, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which calls to my mind sort of, you know, medieval Western Europe and that, and that sort of thing. And the one other the final thing of to hang. unpack a little, I guess, before we get into the substance of these stories is, is the title, Night errant um mm-hmm. i mean alex I, I know you're a fan of sort of classical and medieval literature probably, probably yeah. the perfect person to unpack that idea for us yeah well, this is
1: uh, this is right in my what? academic background um yeah so uh here's a here's a real pithy definition from a, a 1968 book called a dictionary of chivalry by grant Uden, which is a really fun book to track down if you're interested in things like arthurian legend um Udin defines knight errant as simply a wandering knight seeking romantic adventure and the opportunity to display his prowess. So this is most typical knight errantry of the knights of medieval, and especially Arthurian, like I mentioned, romance, Mm. rather than like the the duty-bound knights of medieval history. So that's certainly not to say that this kind of adventure seeking activity didn't occur in reality, but it's it's definitely front and center in the in the literature. Mm-hmm. Um, now the first place that this phrase occurs in um, Miller's knight Errand, uh is is in issue five of a Flame, where um, mm-hmm. Gorland Paladine says, "You're like me, Kara, a knight errant. We may stray, but we always find the right path." And she says, don't worry, I'll get your people back to the Republic. So what's interesting about this is that this idea of straying is actually only a secondary sense of the word ni- uh, of the word errant. So errant mm-hmm. first entered the English language a little over 600 years ago with the meaning uh, traveling or roving. And it comes from the old French errant, which in turn comes from Latin iter, meaning journey or way. So this is also where we get words like itinerary and itinerant. So basically the idea of traveling. So coming from a different, uh, but still Latin root errare, is an old French word that does mean to go astray or to lose one's way, transgress, (laughs) make a mistake. And that's where we get our noun error and our verb to err, like to err is human. So these, these two senses, wandering and making mistakes, were already confused and jumbled up in old French, and they have stayed confused in English. So mm-hmm. what's important to remember about the medieval literature and the concept of, of a knight-errant there is that it's not primarily a knight who has gone astray or made a mistake, a knight who's in error, but rather a knight who is wandering in, I would say, purposeful search of adventure. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Although... It, Listening, listening to you unpack that though reminded me of an old idea I had for um, a uh, a Star Wars Don Quixote cosplay mashup. Oh um, yes, oh,
1: that would be great. Nice. <laughs> you know, just you know,
0: Don Quixote. Uh, I guess Spanish literature, but um, you know. The, he he's deluded, but he's going off and he sees himself as a knight errant of a sort, right. You know, off in search of romantic adventure. Well, you know,
1: there was a character in uh, Marvel's original star Wars comic right after their, uh, their adaptation of, of the original movie. They, when they launched off into telling their own stories, they had a character. I can't remember his name, but he was a definite Don Quixote shout out. Um, Really, this was, the, uh, this was in the comic that introduced yeah. Jackson. The-
0: oh, you know what? I've read that issue. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a couple of, yeah. Oh yes. Oh my goodness! I know who you're
1: talking about. He's a gunslinger. I, I had the original issue when I was a kid. My brother passed it down to me.
0: Oh, that's my guy. I need to cosplay that guy. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> he he, he sure. wears like full plate
1: armor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His crazy white hair and a
0: mustache. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, I, you know I, I this is completely completely by the by but I, I do need to complete my read through of those vintage comics because um they're they're bonkers but but a good time. Um let's let's get back to Night Heron. Let's 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 start yeah. thinking about the story then. Mm-hmm. Um and let, let's dive into volume 1 of the comics subtitled A Flame. Um So both in publication terms and chronologically, uh, this first volume of the comics comes first. Although, Alex, as you mentioned, there is that short story. We might circle back to that at the end of the show. Um, in flux, which sort of did a bit of scene setting. Um, here we find Jedi Master Vanar Trace mounting an independently funded mission into Sith space to help an old contact, Gorlan Paladin. Uh, Paladin is a leader of sorts to a community of workers oppressed by local Sith megalomaniac Lord Diamond. Um, but they find themselves caught in the crossfire and uses as pawns in the conflict between Diamond and his older brother, Lord Odeon. Um, so what do we think of, of this as an introductory story to Kara Holt and this scenario and this new era, Jess?
2: It works really well for an in introductory to Kara and the era. Mm-hmm. Um, the era is really great because you're off in the middle of someone that you've never seen. And that's always super fun. Mm-hmm. But tossing a single Jedi into a Sith war, a Sith civil war, that what I would imagine has always been going on, it, it's absolutely bonkers fun. So it's a good way to introduce a, a knight.
0: Yeah, and there's not very much hanging around, is there? At the start, there's not there's not an awful lot of exposition up front. You know, we're, there's, there 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 are, there are a few sort of um, narration boxes on a few of the early panels. You know, she's from there.
2: Not exactly where we're at, but she is from Sith space. That's about your only thing you know about Kara.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the time you're on page three or four, you're getting almost full-page panels of Jedi leaping out of dropships and, you know, the action, action, action as this started. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what about you? How, how did you get on with this comic as an introduction? Actually, the, did you read this first or did you read the novel first in terms of how you first encountered this? I did read the comic first. Um, okay, yeah. And
1: I was... I was prepared for a good time uh, from the beginning because I, I already knew and trusted uh, Miller's name from Knights yeah. of the Old Republic. Um, I was not crazy about the art in the first two issues. This series mm. saw a lot of uh, shakeups in the art department. There were several different artists over the course of a, of a not very long run. Yeah. Um, so personally I was not crazy about the, the first couple issues, um, but the, uh, the writing I felt was really solid. Um, I actually think, uh, Influx, the short story makes an even better introduction than the comic, but we might get to that Mm -hmm. later. Um, well, overall, I think, um, the, in Medias Res beginning, uh, is, is really very, it's very strong. It hits hard, um, throws us right into the action and, um establishes Kara immediately as a character who does not stop. She never takes a break. Um, yeah. the, the people most like this in my own life that I think I, I've known have all been undergraduates. Um, it's It's a very particular kind of very driven young person who just doesn't know when to take a break.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about Kara Holt then, the sort of the, the protagonist of, of the comic. And, you know, I mean, uh, as I think about it, you know, I think legend sometimes gets a bad rap uh, as maybe not being terribly progressive at times in terms of female protagonists, that sort of thing. And, you know, there is a history there. There is a history there.
2: There is, but it's totally, yeah, it just does get a bad rap. There are a lot more female protagonists than it gets kind of for.
0: Agreed. But here we are. We've got Kara Holt heading up this uh, whole whole multimedia project, right? You know, as, as Alex just mentioned, there is the short story published online, um, these comics, this novel. Um, so so let, let, let's chat about her and at least how we feel about her as, as sort of introduced to us here in, in the comic. Um, Alex, what sort of impression did she make on you straight out of the gate? Um, well, I was a big fan
1: of the TV series 24 about 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Anybody remember that? Mm-hmm. With
0: Kiefer Sutherland. I, yes. I'm in denial about the fact that it was 20 years ago, but go, but go on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel you, brother. I feel you. Yeah, Kara, um, right from the start, reminds me very much of a younger Jack Bauer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of adventure that she's in. She finds herself just thrust into the belly of the beast and she doesn't. She doesn't stop and feel sorry for herself or ask questions. She just she acts first, and and then says she's sorry later. Yeah. Um, and I really I like that. Um, it it suits uh, Miller's uh, style of writing very well, where he likes to keep multiple plates spinning at the same time, keep you on your toes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it has a similar overall narrative uh, thrust to knights of the old republic at least the the first arc of that um where it's it's constant forward momentum but with a very different protagonist so it's coming from a different very
0: point. different i mean I, very I
1: don't,
0: very yeah i don't think she could be more different than um It's zin character karak or karak karak Zane? Zane isn't it Zane yes. yeah. Zane. yeah 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 uh, yeah, I don't think she, she could be more different. He, he was the sort of bumbling, incompetent Padawan, and she is exceptionally competent. Um, yes. And exceptionally driven, and knows exactly what it is she wants to do, whereas uh, I think Zayn sort of bumbled and sort of stumbled his way to success <laughs> he, in most yes. cases. Yes, he's, <laughs>
1: the, he's the lovable underdog. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and she is not... I mean, I... I come to find her lovable through the course of the
0: series, but she is, she's not in the same way that Zane is. By any no. means, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. She, she's not going out of her way to, and and John Jackson Miller isn't going out of his way to make her endearing to you, no, you no. know, in, no. in any particular way. No, um, I, I think I, I found her a little remote and hard to get a read on for a while, beyond sort of almost sort of a stereotype of kind of a brash young padawan anakin episode two vibe a little bit a little bit you know a little bit. um but maybe but, but, but i i think as as the series went on i came to realize that i think i had been quite unfair <laughs> in 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 mm. jumping to that conclusion about her um based on you know the, the way she acts in, in this first one in this first arc well she's she's
1: also not she's not dealing with um with anger in the way that Anakin does. If anything, her temptation is to despair.
2: It's to despair. Yeah.
1: And, Mm. and the, the, the turning point in this first comic arc for her comes in issue three. Um, when, and it, it actually, it feels a little, a little late. Um, when, when it, it finally comes around, um, Actually, so sorry, it's it's uh, issue four um, mm-hmm. when she has this moment of remembrance prompted by um, Paladine, yeah. uh, who's my favorite character in this arc, I think, aside from from Holt herself. Uh, but he reminds her of what Van Artrees actually wanted her to do. And it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't taking the fight to the Sith. It was get the the people to safety.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and
1: and I mean, when she realizes that she can she can do that, she can make a difference to some people, not all of the people, yeah. but some of them. That's when she she
0: breaks out of the the spiral of despair. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I I guess to to draw a line between that and and something that we've seen more recently in the new canon era in the sequel movies, it's it's it, it, it's Rose Tico's thesis of you know yeah. we don't win by fighting what we hate but by saving what we love yes you know um it's a a, a beautiful jedi message that um yeah she she just loses sight of i guess for, for a little while while she's throwing herself headlong into everything mm-hmm. um and, and it takes uh gorland paladin to kind of snap her out of that i guess you know mm-hmm. um jess what about you how did, how did you get on with Kara?
2: I got on with Kara quite well. She reminded me of, um, I don't know if you gentlemen watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She reminds me of Faith. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. Who, yeah. that's who I went to. Very cold, but very good yeah. at what she does.
0: We are showing our age, mm-hmm. gents, with our cultural references today. I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 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 I. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I really enjoyed her. I think I enjoyed her more as the series went along. I think, I think I maybe misjudged her early on in this arc, and um, I think I would sort of written her off, as kind of slightly, slightly sort of brash, two dimensional, you know, type who, who you know who forgot what her mission was and needed to be reminded. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think I was, I was being maybe a bit harsh. I was being <laughs> a bit harsh on her actually. Um, you mentioned, Galax, that, that your favourite character here was was Gorlin paladin yeah. um, he he's this uh initially presented as an old friend or contact of master van Trace, um but, but it transpires actually that that he, he he's got a, a a richer backstory than that well what is it about gorlin that, that you liked particularly um so i i observed
1: in our discussion of um uh knights of the old republic uh miller's earlier series that, uh, I, I really loved, uh, his, his portrayal of Zane's father in there. And this is another, Mm. uh, very strong paternal figure here. He's, um, you know, he is actually a father, uh, he has uh, two children of his own and, uh, his decisions are motivated by, uh, that fact. You know the reason that he stepped yeah. away from his mission as a Jedi, so to speak, is because he had this other mission of fatherhood, and that really resonates yeah. with me i mean that's a you know mm. it's a that's a tough it's a very tough thing uh when you have a duty which is a which is a big deal in itself that ends up conflicting with or endangering the safety of your family um yeah and and then he also acts as a kind of father figure to um Kara, you know, he and, and Trees mm-hmm. both. Um the the moment <laughs> the moment when he uh, when when Paladine asks uh, his daughter for the diaper bag and he pulls his yeah. lights there, the it. Lights that, there that is Star Wars for me. I absolutely love that moment. Yeah, yeah. um yeah it's uh, it's really fun. Um you know we, we we see a lot of we see a lot of dysfunctional families and, you know, fathers who are not all that they should be in star Wars. And, and I feel like, uh, you know, over in his corner of the galaxy, Miller is, is doing what he can to, uh, you know, give, give us some, some, some good fathers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. sure. 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 He does. Yeah.
1: I also, I also like, uh, Pal- Paladin's name it's it's clear that uh Miller is having a lot of fun with the names and again paladin mm-hmm. obviously suggests paladin which yeah. is you know, another old french derivation charlemagne's inner circle of the you know the best of the best knights um yeah. so that's really that's fun
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Miller's having a ball here, dropping his uh, sort of various classical and medieval references all over the place, isn't he? Ah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. He...
0: Yeah, you, you, you can tell what, he, what he's been reading or the kind of stuff he's been reading in preparation for this.
1: Yeah, if um, I, I know you gentlemen know about this, but if any of the listeners don't, um, Miller's uh, website, Faraway Press, uh, has always featured uh, these commentary articles that he writes for each issue of, of each comic that he writes for each novel that he, he writes. Uh, So you can see a lot of, of these kind of behind the scenes things and, you know, where he gets his names from. And um, yeah, it's, it's so fun seeing all the references to everything from the Odyssey to King Lear uh, in, in the, the materials that inspired him in in writing the series. It's, it's, it's a really fun thing
0: absolutely and that that website is i really believe, believe it's farawaypress.com i believe so yes yeah yeah um you know I, i'll tell you who my favorite character in this comic um is uh, and possibly in the whole series uh, and it's actually lord diamond Damon diamond Damn it. um he's, <laughs> uh, Sydney, yeah. Miller's
1: website says Damon. So my, my inclination Damon, is Damon, Damon as well. Damon? But, but yeah, Damon. Yeah.
0: Damon. Um, this guy is, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe this guy. He's with this sort of like Ozymandias type figure, um, but utterly deluded. He's 25 years old, but insists that he created the universe and everybody in it, including the people who are working against him. Um, yeah, It's... it's, it's like- it's like North Korean dictator cranked up to
2: eleven. Yeah, he yeah. is absolutely fantastically insane.
0: Yeah, uh, but but Miller writes him so well and gets inside oh, his he head does. so well. Yeah, uh, and
2: yeah. his followers too. The, as my
1: Lord knows, preceding everything that they tell him. It's great.
0: Yeah, so he, he asks them a question, and then they answer him, or preface it with, well, as my Lord knows, because you obviously know the answer to this question, my Lord, you, you know, and, and instead of saying, when, and then when he sort of, when he says something back to them, or kind of states his understanding of a situation, instead of saying yes, they say, my Lord knows, <laughs> you know. Yes, they're it's, always it's beautiful. and, and and these sort of demented tasks that he sets people. So the novel opens with this little sort of prologue. We meet this aged Celestin Gub who whose job it is to go through a hard copy of every document in history, be it a takeaway receipt or you know, historical mm-hmm. tome, and alter any of the Orebesh letters that form Diamond's name with two <laughs> extra brush strokes. Mm-hmm. To, to prove yeah. that he's always been there or something yeah it's like yeah um, uh it's like West uh
1: weston's Weston Winston it's been a while since I've read 1984 but the protagonist Winston uh, Smith, in, Winston in, Smith. Uh, mini truth yeah. yes where he's mm-hmm. uh he's altering historical documents to to reflect yeah. the, the current uh, Orthodox
0: reality yeah yeah absolutely um I, I just uh, like as a character, he's fascinating and gloriously bonkers, and like it, it, it's it's Sith megalomania on a scale that we quite I don't think we've seen before or since,
1: really. Oh no. yeah, that that no. it, it is a special kind of madness. It really it is.
0: is, but but sort sort of gleefully, wonderfully entertaining to read at the same oh, time. You know? hundred oh, yeah. percent.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: you know. I, mean, I, I would take i I would take this over any number of sort of dark brooding sadistic sith lords any day oh, of sure. the week you
1: know sure we've seen that um, a hundred times exactly exactly yeah this is this is terrible, but like Kim jong-un or Kim jong-il his father you know it, there's something really deeply pathetic about it like yeah, it, yeah. it's funny like I yeah. don't, you've seen the uh, the meme and the website Kim jong-un looking at things where mm-hmm. it's just just pictures of the dear leader walking around being led you know on, on inspection tours and he's just looking at vegetables looking at factories mm-hmm. looking at, it, so there, there's just like the whole world is making fun of this man but he's making life for his subjects absolutely miserable yeah um, yeah, so it's yeah. A, there, there's this kind of black comedy element and and it's also just really tragic and sad um and and really terrible for the people there it's yeah there, there's, there's yeah a lot going on. yeah uh,
0: i just I, I love this bit where i, I think it may maybe his introduction in the comic where something has happened um the people are suffering and he just rocks up and says your lord has arrived that should be enough for you you know yes. um, and he yeah. does nothing practical to help them no. um, he he he, <laughs> he instructs his flunk to send them a statue from his, <laughs> yes. his you know, to send, to send them a statue of himself, so that at least the place will look a bit better, and they'll have that to look at. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I
1: love the whole bit with the statues that becomes kind of a running gag in yeah. in yeah. arc of the comic where Kara keeps beheading the statues. um yes. mm-hmm. it's great. And then and then he responds by having them uh the the, the necks plated with cortosis, so that she can't cut yes. through with a lightsaber. And then at the very yeah. end of issue five she has she has gotten some sort of turbo cutter device that that can yeah like an industrial <laughs> send laser Send a message just yeah, to cut off, the heads off. Of these, these stupid statues yeah it's great. yeah
0: i mean yeah talking about sort of the 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 hypothetical he is in, in some sense is that, you know there's this scene um well we're, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little i think to the novel where mm. um you know he, he's trying to impose his will directly on his one of his aides, you know, and, and, and sort of it, the way it's written, it's clear that they sort of practice this every day or so, yes. you know, and he and, and 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 he's just he's so frustrated that he can't do it, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 he he that her will still exists, that she still exists as a person, because yeah. he, he sort of he's all, sort of semi convinced that other people don't exist and he's all that exists, yeah, <laughs> that everything else is yeah. a figment of his imagination or something, mm-hmm. um. He's just a very, very deeply, deeply confused and man
1: (laughs) in many, many ways. uh, More more philological fun with his name and his his brothers. His name uh, suggests the the Greek daimon, which is kind of a complicated word to unpack, but it's connected to ideas of divinity and godlike power, which obviously Uh plays very well with him. And it's also where we get our English word demon. So it has you know this kind of two sides, mm-hmm. um, and then Odeon, uh, I learned I think from from Miller's website uh, is a West African name meaning meaning first of twins. Uh, oh, ooh. but before I, I before I learned that, uh, it obviously just from the page carries for anglophone readers this echo of the word odious, yeah, hateful, uh, yeah. unpleasant. Uh, which is definitely what Odeon is. Yeah. yeah. That's far more typical. Sith, so.
0: and, and that's kind of, I guess, in the, in the star Wars tradition of naming Sith Lords, things that sort of evoke another, you know, Darth right. Sidious, Darth Maul, the Vader invader. Yes. You know?
1: in, in Vader, yeah.
0: Tyrannus. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, very much a tradition of that, that, that sort of, um, elusive aspect to um to sit in and-
1: what uh, what do you guys think of odeon as a foil to to damon
0: i i really enjoyed it um you know he he felt a little more derivative of the kind of a, a little more sort of video gamey in in a way yeah. with, with his little kind of um <laughs> it's like Bowser or Dr. E- Robotnik almost yes eyepiece yeah, some, yeah his little earpiece and microphone and sort of little um targeting gadget over his eye you know that that sort of thing sort of slightly cybernetically enhanced you know, and we, you know having just come off the back of all of that Star Wars the old republic MMO tie and stuff that's the kind of mm-hmm. thing we've seen a lot of yeah you yeah. know um so he felt felt a little less inspired and inspiring um but i think as certainly as the series has gone on i've found a lot more to like about him particularly in the novel he didn't feature heavily in the novel but we do learn a bit more about the sort of death cultishness of his followers you know that whereas diamond and damon isn't necessarily sure that everybody else exists um mm. odian knows they exist he just wants them all to die uh, yeah. because he yeah. thrives on death and he you know, it, it's sort of it's interesting it's not clear if he is sort of feeding off it in any sort of force related way you know or if he he just likes death yeah if it's, you know? if it's
1: just pure sadism and and nihil- yeah yeah
0: yeah it, it, yeah, I would imagine it would have I, to I, kind I find of find his him. design almost sort of at a counterpoint to the darkness of that idea. The darkness of that idea feels more like a, I don't know. You'd imagine more of a kind of a, a wraith like Darth Nihilus kind of a guy. Yeah. You know. Whereas he, he look he looks like he's jumped out of Street Fighter three. Yeah,
1: or, or, or like a like a yeah. Marvel comic. Like he's he's like a looks Like Malek
0: with a jock. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: All of these. Um, these crazy crazy sith because there are more you know that we get to know later Mm. um oh yeah there was a um there was an interview that uh john jackson miller did with dark horse that was published in the uh, issue zero preview issue of of the comic series um where he uh he it's very interesting um he mentions uh that that he he did a master's degree in comparative politics uh Mm -hmm. and was focused on the ussr and its satellite states um so i think that's that's one reason why his comics and and novels feel so much more politically rich than a lot of other star wars stories um and he he points out in that interview uh that Uh, And I'll I'll quote here, the Sith are still evil, still very bad guys, but there are many paths to evil and many ways for their badness to be expressed. Knight Errant Mm -hmm. takes on the question of what a Jedi should do to stay true to her teachings, but it also takes on the question of what a Sith should do. We have one errant knight, but many errant Sith. So Mm -hmm. that really sets up, I think, the and, and particularly with really crazy characters like Odeon. Um, the turmoil and chaos that is resolved for the Sith a generation later with the establishment of the Rule of Two. Like, Mm -hmm. we already knew that story. That that had been published for a while, what happened at at the Battle of Rusan and how the Sith, there was too much power spread out too widely, and then it was narrowed down and focused. And so this really gives us our look at the total bonkers anything goes free for all that that came before that, that that yeah as as bane saw necessitated that
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely. one of the things that fascinates me about this series is the the way that john jackson miller continues continually introduces us to a new sith lord and a completely new take on sith governance oh right great right. um and ways of imposing the rule of one person or entity over a population um absolutely fascinating as you said as you as he said you know that one knight errant, but many errant sis yeah you know, i think that's a great phrase each following their own sort of path to what they think you know sith governance looks like or being the sort of being a sith one person in charge of everyone looks like yes um yes everyone is his own like
1: private little sith pope they all get to yeah totally interpret the tradition
0: for themselves completely completely um which is very much what, what we see in the novels so let's let's think about the novel i mean it, it is it's a little episodic I, I guess and i think that i guess that's quite intentional split into three parts each named for the area of sith space that our characters find themselves in the the right. demonate the diarchy and the arcadian it um and as I say, you know, each section has the flavor of something episodic. You know, the characters find themselves in a part of CIS space and have to confront almost like sort of the Sith of the week before moving on. Yeah. Though part one, uh, which is set in the Daemonate, I'm, I'm going to get that right before the end of the episode, does a, a fair bit as, of as work. George Lucas of, himself
1: always says about these things. It's a big galaxy. There's lots of different pronunciations.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In Space no, in, in space, Northern Ireland, they say Daemonate. <laughs> um, <laughs> the so part, part one does a fair bit of setup as work work as well before it kind of gets into the main action of, of what goes on there. Uh, so, part one we find Kira, sorry, Kara, operating on a planet called Darknell under the control of Lord Damon. Um, by day, she tutors a local Salustan girl called Tan. Um, the daughter of uh, Old Gubb that I mentioned earlier. Um, and he does that, she does that in exchange for room and board, basically. By night, she's conducting clandestine oper- operations against Damon's regime. On such a mission to destroy a prototype ship, she encounters Bothan spy Narsk, who weaves through the rest of the story, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also introduced to artilleryman for hire Brigadier Jarrow Rusher, his crew and ship the diligence. Uh, Russia is less than happy when Kara commandeers the ship in the middle of a battle in order to save hundreds <laughs> of children and young people who, who are being used by Damon as bait in a trap for Odian. Um, so a little, little bit of sort of narrative context there for the chat. I mean, how did we like the, this section of the book? Jess?
2: I liked it. I really, Narsk really made that pop for me. A good Bothan adds an extra bit of spice to a story Mm. for me. And he's written fantastically well. Because you never really know what side a well-written book is really, really on. Yeah, that... And these two Sith Lords are just nuts, and that's always tons of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. The particular madnesses of... Daemon and Odie, and do sort of get unpacked even just a little further um, in this section of the novel, which which I loved because they are, as we said, completely bonkers in in their own weird and wonderful yeah. ways. Um, I yeah, I, I enjoyed Narsk myself actually. That Bothan spy. Um, I guess I, I've not read as much post Return of the Jedi legend stuff as you will have done jesse no. <laughs> but you know i i remember enough i remember enough of what i had read back in the 90s to appreciate um a good boffin spy um and uh yeah he played his card his cards close to his chest it's not clear actually for it's certainly not clear by the end of this part no. one of the book and it's not no. it's only only really becomes clear towards the very end of the book who he's actually working yeah. for yeah 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 um what about you, Alex? How did you get on with part one in the in the demonet? Oh, I loved it. Um, Narsk mm. is,
1: I, I think, my favorite Bothan character ever. Uh, he's uh-huh. carrying on that uh, delightful tradition that Timothy Zahn started all the way back with Borskfalia of these yeah. morally ambiguous sort of frenemy characters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I man, I think Miller knocks it out of the park. Um, he's just yeah. so much fun. Uh, cause you, you really never know what side he is on. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, yeah, I, I also really, really like Rusher. Um, I think he's a, he's a fantastic sort of foil to, uh, Kara. He starts off, uh, as, as you mentioned, Johnny, very reluctantly helping her. Um, but then we we get hints along the way that this is a, this is a, this is a good guy. You know, he really, he cares yeah. about his men. He looks after them. Um, <clears throat> he has just found himself in uh, a very difficult and, and compromising situation. And he's been trying to make the best of it uh, by, by just kind of maintaining the status quo and and profiting as he can. He's a, you know, he's a mercenary. Yeah. But, um, you know, Kara points him in a, in a better direction. Um, mm-hmm. more, more name fun. Um, Miller says that this is a coincidence, but I think it's a happy one. Jero, uh, as Johnny, you might know, because it's just a couple hundred mm-hmm. years you, there is a town in northeast England near Newcastle. Jero, uh, yeah. which was known mm-hmm. thanks to its abbey, uh, which is now in ruins, um, during the Viking Age as a one of the the premier centers of learning uh, in England. Uh, yeah. So, so this suggests this is where the Venerable Bede was from. Um, uh huh. You know, the most important historian of the period. Um, and so this suggests, particularly with gerald rusher's interest in history which really sets him apart mm. in, in this time um you know he knows yeah. about military history and and
0: nobody else does in sith space like they're they're it's it's literally the dark ages in sith space right that, yes yes so not knowledge has been forgotten history has been forgotten they, right so this... they, they, they are rediscovering technologies that they've that they've destroyed exactly you know so, a, a, as they tear each other to pieces so
1: his name suggests this connection to the the idea of preserving knowledge preserving civilization yeah. and history uh, which is exactly what Jarro yeah. was known for in the middle ages which i, I think is really yeah. cool
0: that's there's another um i wondered if it was another reference uh to something in in english history called the, the jarrow men um who who were um i guess sort of early sort of socialists marching against sort of um oppression and you know looking for fair for a fairer deal from employers that sort of thing early union guys basically Interesting. Um, which uh, I wondered if that somehow played into it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not seeing a lot of that in his character, other than he's sort of a, a salt of the earth kind of a guy who does the right thing by his people. That kind of idea, you know, he looks after his own.
1: Right. Um, yeah, he's a he's yeah. a salt of the earth guy, but he also has this. Kind of, there's a little bit of pretentiousness about him with, you know, naming his ship after this historic battleship and yes. you know, using the brigadier title and everything. It's like,
0: well, yeah, and it's, his affect, his affectation with the cane that he doesn't actually cane, need. Yes, it's a, great, it's a great
1: combination of characteristics. Like I, I don't feel like he's a
0: he's a stock character. I've never met this guy before. No no uh th- th- there's a lovely you know we- we've we joked i think jess in-, in in recent shows about how you know it-, it feels like every tie-in to the old republic mmo had a you know scandal with a heart of gold character needed the same five guys yeah um this didn't have that some of them transcend that trope some of them don't do so well um but it- but here you know at-, at one point jaro rusher literally says to Kara Holt. I'm not a scoundrel with a heart of yeah. gold. What did you think was going to happen? You know, we're, we're in—you know—we're in Sith space. There are no good choices. You know, yeah, we, we, we can't get to the Republic. We we need to look for somewhere to drop you and these kids off, basically, somewhere that's acceptable. But you're you're not really my problem. You know, Jaro Rusher's journey is not 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 a quick or a straightforward one over the three parts of this book, right? Great. Great. So that, that's Jaro Rusher and we talked about Narsk as well. Are there any other sort of new characters uh, introduced here that sort of stand out to you as um, particularly enjoyable?
1: Well, my um, my answer to that question is uh, the, the Sulastin, the old Sulastin scribe at the beginning. That's oh, a, you yeah. You already mentioned him, but that's that's probably my other favorite minor character in uh, in part one.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, that 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 prolog just lives rent free in my head it's it's an it's an amazing bit of writing you know it's yeah. an amazing bit of point of view point of view writing uh, and just the absolute insanity of his job you know and the this the sort of the, the resigned acceptance that he has of it you know just this is what yeah. i do you know
1: it's a it's a really interesting it's a really interesting way to begin our our entry into this period because Mm -hmm. there is there is something obviously very dystopian about it and this you know this novel obviously we haven't dropped the d word yet but it it definitely leans into many different kinds of dystopias um but there's also something very um medieval about it you know the the idea of a scribe sitting with his pen uh all day because uh, that—that's something uh, that that we don't see in Star Wars very much. You know, the the sequel trilogy made a big deal about the the rarity of books. The idea that yeah, you know, we we, we don't really have uh, print media in this galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is a time when we do. Um, yeah, further c- emphasizing that kind of dark age of the Republic. You know, this is this is a very different time, which is fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is a JJM invention, but he talks about a static pen that he sort of I think he charges this thing by rubbing it against his trouser leg.
1: Yes, uh, I, I like that much. I'm not, I'm not aware of that being used anywhere else in Star Wars. Jesse, do you know if that shows up anywhere?
2: No, I'm not aware of it either. I've never heard of that before, this one. Okay. All
1: right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that's a that's a JJM original right yeah. there. Um, another, another lovely little bit of world building, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just tiny tiny detail, but but works so 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 well. Um, another character that jumped out to me was um Laboon, or is his first name Beetle Laboon? I think that sounds right.
1: Yes, yeah. so you're talking about the Duros.
0: Yeah, the Duros Beetle Laboon. Beetle Laboon, yeah. Um this sort of hapless rookie duros um who is basically you know his parents basically bribe R- Russia to take him <laughs> as, as part of the crew um <laughs> Uh, by by providing them with um, sort of certain equipment that that Rusher and, and his crew need um, to get the ship outfitted with, uh, and, you, know, and, you know, and it's not, and they don't, they don't want rid of him because he's useless. They're looking for a better life for him, as everyone, you know, as a gub is for his daughter Tan, as everybody on Darknell seems to be wanting to get their kids away, yeah. which unfortunately leads to a lot of these kids winding up in the middle of a battlefield later on in part one. Um, but uh, whereas Tan, the Celestine girl, and many of her peers are sort of in the thick of the, in the firing line in the middle of the battle. Uh, Beetle Laboon is actually part of Jarrow Rusher's crew up on the ridges with, with the artillery pieces and that sort of thing. Um, but he, he's just an, an incredibly likable, hapless idiot who sort of comes good when, it, when he needs to, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's the closest we get in this story
1: to uh, the kind of, traditional Star wars comic relief like three p o mm. or jar jar even um yeah it yeah i i I think he fits in really well he provides a nice kind of tonal uh
2: variation, yeah, yeah, it would be very dark without him
0: it would wouldn't it that that's the thing you know it, it, it's the kind of note that if it was missing, I would miss it, and I'd find the story a lacking in something and in a bit of lightness or you know um and if you and if you'd asked me what that story needed if you asked me what that story needed i wouldn't have told you an accident prone duros kid
1: right but- yeah miller mm-hmm. miller straddles a very difficult line here because this is just objectively the the bleakest uh period and place that we have seen explored in in star wars mm-hmm. um it, it's yeah. sith space is miserable um so it, it could very easily turn into this grimdark uh kind of edgelord thing um but he doesn't do that um yeah. but but he also doesn't lean too far in the other direction uh of of giving us real kind of slapstick you know marvel style yeah. witty banter you know yeah it's a it's a great balancing act
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure uh let's move on then and think about part two the the diarchy so um on the run in sith space the crew of the diligence and its new jedi passenger and complement of refugees, um, seek safety o- on the planet by Lura and, and the port city of Histabal, ruled by a diarchy of two royal Sith children, Quillen and Dromica, and their regent, a, a Kravaki Sith called Kalikian, um, I think. Um, at least it, it was Kalikian on the AI-generated audiobook that I listened to the other yeah. day's revision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, w- what at first seems like a fairly peaceful place of respite and sort of possible safety for the refugees takes the inevitable turn for the worse. Um, I mean, I-, I think this is my favourite section of the novel. I mean, not least courtesy of several callbacks to tales of the Jedi era stuff, which always tickle- always tickles my nostalgia spots. Um, but Alex, what about you? Did you enjoy this little interlude on Bailuera? Yeah, um I, it's great to see A
1: Kravaki again. Um I I yes. have been uh, a fan of them ever since Tales of the Jedi. Um, yeah,
0: crustacean Jedi Masters, <laughs>
1: more of those. And um yeah, the 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 rulers of the diarchy themselves, uh Quillen and Andromica are um gosh, what a fascinating pair. Um again, mm. it's this it's this mixed element of of tragedy and tyranny that you have mm-hmm. these these characters who really just need help like they should have gotten yeah. help a long time ago and they're they're actually as much as they are tyrants they are also being taken advantage of um, yeah. it's really it's really pathetic
0: yeah so, so they're, they're sort of this they're twins they're sort of sort of savant Children almost um who can't really communicate with the outside world um except by well they, they sort of communicate through clickian their um their their regent and, and then they basically subverted his will and sort of you know, he becomes an extension of them they they, they see clickian and every everybody outside of themselves is yeah. what they call aspects they 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 call, they call clickian regent aspect regent aspect will you know, have the food brought to us. Regent aspect will do this. No, um will approach you. Yeah. You know, um, but th- they, they don't really understand the world around them. They don't really know who, what they are or who anybody else is. It, it 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 is it's a very tonally very strange thing. It, it is kind of sad, but also you know, Kara kind of has to deal with them and take them on at some point yeah apart
1: from each other they are totally helpless and hopeless yeah um, they they operate symbiotically um it, it's a, it's
0: a very weird weird thing Hmm. i mean th- 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 to, to our point from a few moments ago this could have been really dark right th- th- oh, yeah this you know, as, as I'm talking about it, it's like, this is really quite sad, <laughs> you know? Um, and, I, and I don't know what sort of... It is, you see a
2: lot of the loneliness of the Sith in this novel.
0: Yeah, you do.
2: That's not portrayed very often.
0: Yeah, all of the Sith Lords are kind of... Lo- it's lonely at the top.
2: Yeah, all of them. They're lonely, yeah.
0: Yeah, I,
2: I think
1: um, Miller is able to keep it from becoming so dark by really maintaining a, a, an attitude of um humanity and and mercy pity you know it's it's like uh uh you know Gandalf talking to to Frodo in uh, the Lord of the Rings uh about how you know it was it was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand when he could have killed Gollum um yeah. And that's that's the kind of perspective that we see here, that keeps yeah. it from tipping over into just being really depressing. Uh, is yeah. is he yeah. he shows us the you know the the evil and the insanity of these characters, but also their humanity, and not as a way of excusing them or saying, oh well, they had a rough childhood, and so you know mm-hmm. you know you can excuse these you know their bad behavior. It's like no, no, they're they're really bad, and they really have to pay for their terrible evil choices um yeah but they're still people you know they're they're
0: they're human beings every bit as much as carol holt is they, they basically they have enslaved the entire population of this certainly this city that that, that is around you know is, is proximal to to their their base of operations whether or not they actually have enslaved the entire planet i'm not sure um but they, i guess that they've sort of Kara articulates that at one point, um, you know, they, they've achieved what Diamond was struggling to do that we mentioned earlier, you know, in terms of the populist act out the will of the twins, you know, they have no will of their own. They are basically automatons.
1: Yeah. Um, and this
0: just enrages uh, Damon, like, <laughs> yeah, that they've, 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 <laughs> ma- they've made it, they've achieved the dream. Yeah exactly um but but uh, i i get the sense that almost without trying it almost because it's their way of communicating with the world you know right um if he had cooperated with his hmm. brother he probably
2: could have done it yeah that's a good point yeah what he was trying to do yeah absolutely i think maybe there's a bit of jealousy yeah for sure
1: yeah they are they are as much tools of the dark side yeah. As they are the twins, that is, uh, as they are tyrants themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And sort of the logistics of how that works uh, brings into play another nice little callback to Tales of the Jedi stuff for me, which is um, I'm, I'm probably going to mispronounce this species. Um Alex we talked about i think the first time we spoke on, on this show uh, all those months ago back last summer about master uru um the the sort of the is it celegian yeah. celegian the, the species celegian is what i kind of came up with uh the sort of sort of jellyfish like sentient creature um in a Housed in a sort of a, in a particular in a, in a particular gas that they breathe, sort of in a crystal in, in the Tales of the yeah. like a sort of crystalline structure. Here we're seeing them held captive in these large canisters, um, uh, and sort of through telepathy, a whole network of these creatures are, is kind of how they're they're controlling everybody. That's um, how they're communicating their orders. Yeah, do you do you enjoy these little callbacks to Tales of the Jedi?
2: Oh yeah, I love the Tales of the Jedi. And I- even the um, the Lord Regent, the Lord Aspect, whoever he was, uh-huh. he was a callback to um, one of the species too, Exar Kun's master.
0: Crava- yeah, Kravaki. He was
2: a callback. He had running around with like five lightsabers. Oh boy, yeah. No, I always love a good callback to Tales of the Jedi, and John Jackson definitely remembers that story
0: for sure. M- master Seo Basque master vodo v- yeah. vodo silbas vodo
2: silbas vodo silbas yeah.
0: Uh, which also make, makes me think of that amazing scene at the start of uh, the Exar Kun storyline. With- yeah, the cane versus the sword, yeah. Yeah, so good, so good. I love that. Uh, and of course, here then we have Colicchian, um, I guess, pro- providing kind of the the physical threat to Kara with the, yeah. the lightsaber battle. Uh, he, has, he has these little sort of lights, lightsaber batons. You know? Yeah, and
2: he's coming at her with like six or seven or four or five or six of them very grievous part
0: yeah he loses a few legs on the yeah. way doesn't he but oh um, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um but again i i lovely callbacks of to the tales of the jedi stuff i think it's fascinating that john jackson miller chose it a lot yeah in, in in his callbacks in this era He's kind of leapfrogging back over all of the, Again. you know, Star Wars, the old Republic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Some of which I guess was still in development around about the time. And I guess there's a conscious choice here to set this a couple of millennia after and to kind of make it clear that we're, in, that we're in kind of a dark age. So maybe the kind of the recent history is kind of what's been forgotten. Yeah. Um, but the callbacks are kind of going further back to slightly more bonker stuff that I, th- I think maybe we enjoy a little more
2: i think we do i know, know you and i do <laughs> we need more bonkers jedi <laughs> jedi masters oh
0: uh, you know w- w- what i wouldn't give for the new canon area to start exploring that tales of the jedi era you know bring uh, bring back jelly jellyfish Jedi yes. masters and Crustace- crustacean jedi masters and i know it's so
2: far back they could really do their own telling of it and not yeah not kind of mess it up you could have the same stuff that's what i had yeah. hoped for originally and I'd be like this is ten thousand years in the past mm-hmm. you this could just be canon either yeah. way and i would love to see something like that yeah I love that Completely agreed, and I guess
0: that's one of the reasons that those tales of the Jedi comics—we still love them now because that's exactly what they did. They -hmm. they were the first; it was the first time that anybody dived back into the ancient history of Star Wars and pulled out something new and fresh, and not bogged down by sort of canon and lore and all the rest of it. And um, I guess maybe the more you build on something, sometimes the harder it gets to for it to feel fresh and exciting. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe there's something to that. Okay, well let's let's move on then and think about part three. Um the Arcadianate. Uh part three sees our characters reach. I guess what a first blush seems to be quite a sweet deal or, or as sweet a deal as they're going to get in the Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, much as Russia says to Kara, you know there are no good options here. <laughs> We're in the safe space. Um, it's maybe you know, the least bad of the bad options. Yeah, e- exactly, exactly. But we'll, but we land here, um, and this this planet ruled over by Arcadia Calimandra, and it seems pretty. Pretty cushy, as the new <laughs> base goes. Um, th- there's definitely something there uh, in the meme, Arcadia. Uh, and again, Alex, I'm really glad that we've got you here today because I think you're, you're, you're the perfect person to unpack for us. Um, maybe, maybe this reference, Arcadia in classical oh. literature. Well, what does that tell us?
1: Yeah, this is, um, we, we've talked a good bit about some of the, the fun things that uh, JJM was doing with the, the names in this book. And I think this, this is maybe the most fun. Uh, so historically, Arcadia was and is a region in the Peloponnesus uh, Peninsula in, in Greece. In Greek mythology, this region was understood to be the special domain of Pan, uh, the god of the wilderness and wild things so it was this pretty f- well forested uh, wilderness region that was only very sparsely populated by humans mostly shepherds and hermits living a very simple kind of life uh, alongside nymphs and dryads and fauns and all sorts of spirits of of the woods and and waters so in literature not just Greek, but but later, um, like Renaissance literature uh, in, in English and, and other languages. Um, Arcadia became a kind of byword for an earthly paradise. It's this kind of utopian, um, you know, the, the romantics would call it an unspoiled wilderness. Um, yeah. That definitely calling this Sith Lord Arcadia and her mm-hmm. realm, the Arcadianit, that that definitely casts this utopian...
0: Uh, sort of sparkle over everything. That's fascinating, isn't it? Although, I, I guess w- what we're seeing here isn't necessarily that sort of pastoral ideal, you know. Um, yeah. But the society that she seems to have established here is certainly presented as one that is functioning very well, and mm-hmm. people on the surface appear to be content. Right. Uh, uh, and, and happy with their lot,
1: right? Yeah. I, I love how she's got uh, she's got minders... Uh, Taking our our cast around and showing them everything like this very sanitized view of everything. Um, Some friends of mine who are musicians actually had the opportunity about, gosh, probably been about 15 years ago now um, to go to North Korea. Uh, and they had to a, a musical performance. And so they got to Uh-oh. see around some of... And, and their experience was very much like that. It was very tightly controlled. It was really surreal just seeing, like... They could kind of imagine if they stepped out of line seeing around back of the cardboard. You know, it was... Yeah, I know that. and, and that's... You know, I was, I was thinking about that. Uh, reading this this time was how um, very... Like on rails, their uh, yeah experience here is with the um, the one Herglick character who shows them around and is talking about how happy we all are and how uh-huh. how much we love this world. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the the whole time that that is happening, um, you know, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, and it finally does. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When it drops and when it all kicks off, it, 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 really, it really does kick off. Um, what did you make, Jess, of Arcadia and, and her take on governance here? I kind of, it, I liked her because
2: she felt like the the natural progression on what they were doing. Because, you know, you had the first siblings so, I and mean, then you have these twins and it's kind of a familiar tie-in. And then you see where it all kind of came from. And that's nice. I felt she was done very, very well. I think I did have a little bit of trouble until she revealed kind of who she was on accepting her as Sith. She seemed a little bit too nice for the first mm-hmm. for the little bit that we met her in the beginning.
0: Yeah, you, you're waiting for the the other shoe to drop, yeah. I think. You know? Yeah. Um, the whole time really it, yep. it, it seems too good to be true oh you know we'll, we'll we'll find somewhere for your kids and uh, everyone here is quite happy actually and yeah, yeah okay so weirdly they all have to change jobs every other week or something yeah know? so the guy who was <laughs> your t- your, the guy who was your taxi driver yesterday is now, I don't know uh, working on munitions over there today yeah um, you know which is I guess on a little difficult to buy in terms of how that actually works in practice yeah. um but um and i guess as it becomes clear you know towards the end a lot of the people clearly aren't happy with that status quo yeah. and you know that they're tired of being of constantly freaking out about their lack of competence on the job they've been asked to do today yeah um and, you know, and that's what they want what they want to escape and come with um yeah. Kara and Jarrow aboard the diligence um, when they finally make their escape. Um, there are a couple of big sort of, I guess, there's in grand Star Wars tradition in this part, we, we get uh, some big family reveals, although this time about the Sith and what's going on in Sith space here with all these different um, competing Sith regimes. Um, how did you enjoy that reveal and uh, that sort of that sort of new perspective on reality there, Jess?
2: I really enjoyed it because I had suspected something was up. I mean, I know a Sith space and it was going to be an unpleasant place to go. But, you know, you met Lord Damien, you met Lord Odeon, and then um, and It was headed in a particular direction and the payoff was worth it. I really, I really like the whole, the whole look at It's honestly, I like this look at this. Set, it's probably the most out of every glimpse we've had at them, because you yeah, just seen yeah. so many of them. Not I mean, the, just the, focus the, on one, just <laughs> the usual one or two.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's almost like um, so. There's basically this enormous Sith family, you know. That they are kind of, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's slightly soap operatic in a way. It's like dynasty, you know. Um, sort of the you've got this matriarch sort of um, overseeing um, basically the, the conflict between all of her grandchildren and they're them vying for favor, Um, you know, and she kind of lets them get on with it because that's kind of her role as, as a Sith and a grandmother to kind of make sure they're all strong. And, you know, um, the way they prove that as Sith is by fighting each other and, yeah, but but then sort of, you know, some of the stuff that we saw earlier in the book, which, you know, the, with the big battle in part one, that sort of suddenly comes to an end because someone has pulled the plug on the fight between yeah. Dim and, and Odeon, you know, and suddenly they have to cooperate and go after um, Lord Bactra, the Quermian sith um, and yeah. he sort of who has troops out in, in sort of in in space nearby um you know the, it, the, that's all kind of revealed to be actually the the this this matriarch the dowager villa um she pulls the strings you know yeah. and when she clicks her fingers and says okay you got to stop fighting now boys because you got to deal with this guy over here they They'll drop stop. it and they do it yeah. because they're all they're all desperate for scraps from her table basically
1: yeah um I certainly the first time I read it, um it did come as a surprise. Um but uh and of course this time through I was I was waiting for it, you know, I knew I knew it was coming. Um but no, I I think it um I think it is a nice a nice twist on that, that Star Wars trope. Um I get uh, it's effective. It is unexpected. Um and it reminds me a little bit of um, what R.A. Salvatore has done. And I'm sure some of our uh, listeners uh, are familiar with his uh, Forgotten Realms novels. Mm-hmm. What he's done with the portrayal of um, the the drow or dark elf society. It's a, you know, in classic D&D terms, this is a, this is an evil society. Um, but they're still they're still functional. Um yeah. they, they have these very messed up family dynamics, but um no, they, they still have a certain cohesion. And that that's what this reminded me of the most, I think, is that you know they they are all one big unhappy family. Um mm-hmm. but they um yeah, they're all they're all at each other's throats. It's it's like uh, kind of italian renaissance uh and then some you know
0: <laughs> it's kind yeah. of family dynamics absolutely absolutely i mean I, I was racking my brains trying to think of, of, of anything in star wars that had called to mind and the nearest point of reference i could come to really was again um, with with the dre family in knights of the old republic and um, this idea that this, this where we sort of have, we sort of had a maybe not a dynasty but a sort of very well-to-do Jedi family Is that? Um, that in itself would caught in problems and right. problems for the for the Jedi um you know and maybe sort of that, certainly Jesse and I have in subsequent episodes after we talked about those comics maybe theorized that then that maybe that's what caused the Jedi to those sorts of experiences with dysfunctional families yeah, because caused the Jedi to move away from that model from having those sorts of familial uh, yeah order Um, it's an interesting
1: um, it's it's an interesting hypothesis Um, it's one of those sorts of things you can do with Star Wars uh, interpretively looking at the information that we have that doesn't always line up perfectly yeah uh, because it was created over decades of of real time and and you know with different imaginations at work you can you can find ways like that of revolving some of those cruxes that it's. it's... Yeah. I, I
0: I think there's possibly a whole episode to be done once we've kind of got to the end of Darth Bane to kind of look back at this sort of several millennia of oh. galactic history in the Legends of Time Man and kind of tease out some of those little Join some of those dots. That it, yeah, that it, yeah. Look it, at it. It, it. It's it's speculative, but you know, can we see? Can we see the through lines? Maybe you know. Yeah, try to try to look at it with a,
1: an historian's lens. I think that could. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but I guess
0: you know here we've got this sort of large Siths family, um, and we've never seen that before, really. Um. Yeah. Which I find absolutely fascinating, um, led by this matriarch, um, the Dowager Villa. Um, to, yeah, I, I find quite compelling, actually. I, I, I rather enjoyed her. Agreed, yeah. I think, um,
1: it, as surprising as it may seem at first blush, this kind of dynamic actually makes a lot of sense uh, in light of the fact that the Sith here are isolated they have they have been left to create their own society in the wake of of the republic pulling out um they uh you know all the bridges have been burned effectively it's very difficult to get around so they don't have the beacons to light their way anymore they're very protective jealously so of uh hyperspace coordinates and and you know the means of getting around so kind of left to their own devices they're all either going to destroy each other or find a way to make some sort of tenuous peace and coexist yeah that's sort of what they've done um so it is because the earlier tales of the jedi material we get glimpses of the sith civilization on Korriban mm-hmm. and other Sith worlds. But we, we really don't get any glimpses into Sith society. Like yeah. how people are living and what, what what is what is family structure like for them. Because um, that's just not the kind of story that um, Anderson and, and Vetch were telling. No, uh, no. I was, we weren't concerned with that. But um, Miller, on the other hand, is... It, it seems throughout his work, uh, v- very much interested in family. Uh yeah. Good healthy family dynamics and their opposite. Um, it's just it's something that comes up a lot in in his work. Um, you know, even in Kenobi. Yeah. It's about a hermit living out by himself and and, and yet we've got uh you know the the family that he gets involved with. Um
0: on on Tatooine and and yeah yeah well, even all, all the, the, that amazing cast of characters in that little sort of whistle stop or sort of um one horse uh time ship that they, they, they um um the he gravitates towards I'm struggling to remember the name of it now um in, in the book. And um, a the, the little sort of settlement with with the, the general store and the speeder repair shop and Right,
1: yeah, been, I read that probably the year it came. Peak of the Oasis. Peak of the
0: yes. Oasis. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. But it's this beautiful cast of characters. J, J, John Jackson Miller does this amazing thing where you know he can and does tell big sweeping stories like we saw with Knights of the Old Republic, but he tells them yes, it, intimately. You know, he tells them from very personal perspectives, very much at ground level, you know, through human lenses, you know. So Mm -hmm. as as we talked about when we talked about Knights of the Old Republic, you know, there's time for some nice moments between Zayn Carrick and his dad, you know, who's, you know, very much a minor character in the whole scheme of things. But right. Um, he makes the makes the room and the time for those human connections and those moments, and um, that really enrich the story. And that's not something that we saw no. in Tales of the Jedi. You know, we, we, you're right. we, we saw Sith society as kind of, you know, there's a caste system and you know X, Y, Z. But you know, really, the, the, the it was all, as we said before, daring do, melodrama, broad strokes. You know, mm-hmm. th- 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 there was, and, and very little in the way of relatable sort of heartfelt you know intimacy any of that sort of stuff yeah yeah okay then so how do we think part three works as a conclusion to the novel if not to Kara's story jesse i it was a really solid
2: conclusion to the novel and you could conclude there with Kara's story you know you could if you don't have time to track and hunt down the uh, couple of comic books, this is, would be a good place, like wow, that was fun, and uh yeah tied things up very well, and it so yeah, definitely read this one At these two, all of them actually
0: <laughs> I really enjoyed this as a conclusion to the novel um. It, it it has that it has that big action beat. You know, there's lot there's lots going on. Like there's a couple of things going on. You you've got Arcadia trying to use the sort of the captive Quillen, one of the twins, um, a, a, as a way of delivering a bomb to, to, to take out Villa and her own family. Um, so that, uh, using and when Kara. Doesn't agree to to help her with that. Um, she uses Narsk. Narsk, n- we find, we realize is actually working for the Dowager for oh, Villa. Yep. He body swerves that and manages to get get away with not doing that and basically saving Villa's life, and um, sort of maintaining the status quo for for the rest of the story to come. Um, meanwhile, you've got then Jarro Rusher rushing to the rescue to free Kara from Arcadia, uh, basically by. Um, deploying his remaining artillery inside Arcadia's complex and yeah. taking the whole place down and, you know, th- throw in sort of an action beat with a lightsaber yeah. duel between Arcadia and Kara. It's great. It's really yeah. good, solid action stuff, it is. you know, yeah. Um, proper, so- some proper Star Warsing, ing uh, which, which I really, really liked. Yep. Oh, what about you, Alex? Um, were you sort of satisfied at this, uh, with, with this conclusion, this rather sort of uh, action-backed, um, action-driven finale? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely
1: delivers uh, on, on the action front. Um, as, a, huh, as a conclusion to the novel, I think the first time I read it, it, it felt abrupt to me like i, I felt like mm-hmm. it was coming too soon i i wanted more of that and yeah in um in our next episode i think we'll we'll probably be saying more of this but i um i have always wanted more of this yeah. era and more of this story more of these characters um and of course we never got it uh but yeah, yeah. At, at least one or two more novels would have been would have been fantastic, I think. Because um, this, uh, you know, this was Miller's first novel. Um, I know it was his first Star Wars novel. I, I believe it was his first novel, period. Um, and uh, he, it's a really strong debut. Um, yeah. But I yeah, I, I like it, but I wish there were I wish there was more. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a great first novel. I mean, it, it is, you know, the, the the three parts are, I think, in, intentionally episodic. And I, I I don't know if that's intended to call to mind. I mean, is that another classical reference, maybe? You know, to... you know, And I, I've never read, to my shame, something like The Odyssey, you know. But I, I kind of get that sort of feeling of this sort of episodic adventure, you know, going to one place and... yeah. Be, meeting the you know dealing with the situation there then moving on to the next place and dealing with the situation there yeah the uh, continuous journey
1: the cyclops and the lystragonians and the lotus yeah, was- island yeah there is yeah there is something uh kind of kind of harkening back to to that sort of and then we go to this planet and we deal with these people and then this planet and the, yeah well uh, they are kind of like like Grecian islands in that way. Yeah,
0: it, 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 my 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 reference point for that is um, more so, Ulysses Do you remember Ulysses Thirty One? The amazing. It was a cartoon series, like a sci-fi. Cartoon series, no, actually, which, which, which was riff, riffing on a lot of this stuff. Oh, yeah, Ulysses and his son and uh, a little little pet robot, whose name I can't remember, and they're really cute. And and mm-hmm. uh, they're 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 all this Odyssey through the stars, basically. It's oh, fantastic with, sh- with an entire ship full of people in suspended animation. It was kind of weird and a bit creepy, and you know they stop off the planet of the week. And this week, the planet is ruled by a sphinx who tells us riddles.
1: You know, it, oh. You know and that's, that's really fun i need to i need to look into that
0: yeah and i know that that show is channeling some of the stuff that we're talking about there that you're about sure, there sure. um so so yeah the, 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 i'd get similar vibes from this episodic novel you know yeah. um and I, I would happily have taken more of that and you know and or more story arcs from the comic you know sure for me coming to the end of the novel knowing that I'm kind of, at this point, then I'm sort of effectively halfway through what Mm -hmm. we've lost for Night Errant. You know, we don't. We're we're one one comic volume down, novel down, two volumes of the comic left. Mm -hmm. And my concern reaching this point first time through was... Oh, I'm worried that this thing has been cancelled before it's had time to really find its legs and to really yeah. do what John Jackson Miller wanted to do, because I know how expansive it was able to go with Knights yes. of the Old Republic, and that's still is some of my favourite Star Wars. Um, yeah. Not least because they gave that creator with a singular vision the time and space and the room to breathe and let it happen. Um, yeah. And I was already worried at the end of this novel, thinking, "Oh, I'm worried that maybe this is cut short." You know, that yeah. this wonderful, rich you know, put, corner of Star Wars history and the galaxy that he's created—yeah, um, maybe I started worrying about well, are we going to stick the landing or not? Well, I guess, as you said, we'll we'll talk next week. But right. where where do we where, where do we think? that was the case or it has hasn't stuck the landing, we wouldn't get into that in due course right
1: yeah there there was um well i would say more but we've got another episode i'll, I'll
0: save it for sure um did you read the short story jess the knight errant influx Or did did you
2: listen to that? I did. I really thought that was a good introduction to everything. You kind of got to know Kara. I think they were on the drop ship headed there, is what that story was about.
1: Yeah. Originally, it passed me by. But um, I did catch up on it this time, and I'm really glad that I did. Mm. Uh, In fact, I ended up thinking that... Uh, it rather than the novel as a standalone or the first arc of the comic series, uh, really makes the best uh, introduction to this this era and these characters. Um, I found it I found it really effective uh, as an introduction. Um, the the way that it the way that it sets up the situation in Sith space. Uh, the situation of the Jedi, all very briefly. It's a you know it's a short story. It's very pithy. Yeah. Um. But uh, these little interactions, like we learn here, uh, we mentioned earlier. You know, this is where we find out in a, a very kind of throwaway line that the current uh Supreme Chancellor of the Republic is a uh, is a Jedi Consular, uh, Genara or Gennara. Um, yeah. And. It establishes the difficulty of traveling around uh, yeah. and how um, Miller points out in, in his notes to uh, on the short story because he he you know publishes notes on on everything that he he publishes uh, on his on his website. Uh, he says, obviously, if it were easy to leave Sith Space, anyone who could find a starship would do so. Mm-hmm. So we had to make just the simple act of getting around Sith space part of the challenge that Kara has to cope with, yeah. Um, and we also get a glimpse into the the irregular situation of kind of ad hoc Jedi training, uh, what uh, Kara's relationship with her master, uh, Treece, is like. Yeah. Um, and she has, maybe my favorite part of, of this little short story is her interaction with the um, Syrian uh, Jedi Doreen uh, Eltrom, mm-hmm. um, who is a really... Um, really fun character. Uh, He is um, perhaps like myself in some ways, uh, very attached to uh, traditional ways of thinking and being and doing things. And he finds uh, a lot of stability and solidity and comfort in, you know, doing things the way that the Jedi have always done them. He's very attached to that. And He's kind of like putting out feelers in his conversation with Kara and asking her, "Well, you know, yeah, I bet I know why you chose a green lightsaber. It means, this. and it reveals how she just has an utterly different way of viewing the world and her place in it. And she just she doesn't think about that stuff at all. She's she's totally a pragmatist. Yeah, she's like, I, I picked the crystal at the top of the box, you right. know, right? And he's it, like, it, oh, it's a tool for a job. Yes, basically, and Yeah. It, it shows, it shows that these are two, two valid approaches here. Hmm. Because Kara is obviously our heroine in this story. Um, she, she does lots of, of really laudable, uh, wonderful things. Um, very heroic things. Um, but Doreen is not belittled for his, his own way of doing things um i like seeing that that multiplicity of of angles there so yeah all all things considered um this story is available for free online you can go to john jackson miller's website and he's got uh, the the original link on the publisher's website is no longer there so he's got a link to artav.org he's got you covered uh, and you can read this online um somebody else did an, an ai uh, audiobook version of it that's up on youtube uh yeah. so you know whether you listen to it or read it i if you're interested in this this story and this period i, I highly recommend taking the extra 20 or 30 minutes and
0: and tracking yeah yeah and, and to be fair uh, i i sort of wish that i'd read it first in a way it, i th- i think you would is a very nice in you know entry point. Um, cause I, you know, I, I like the introduction to Kara Holt and the Jedi in the, the comic, you know? They're they're, they're jumping Ooh. out, lightsabers blazing, it's mm-hmm. you know, in media res, basically. Yeah. You know? But you know, that short story provides a lovely little bit of context to what's going on there and, and how they got there. Yeah. Um, and that's nice too. Um it's, it's, it's a little short. Um I, a shame that you we've got to go to sort of these extra lengths sometimes to to access this stuff. You know, no, it, it 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 winds me up that it's not printed in you know the the paperback of the novel well, or you
1: know in the new edition that was just published. I think you've got a copy of the. I mean, i just got the original, but uh, the the new. As the legends,
0: they can't. had the opportunity to put it in there. And they they passed it yeah. up. Well, ah, it's such a shame. That is wild to me. I mean, like, I, I I can I can I mean I hope it's some sort of weird legal licensing issue in terms of the, the ar- arrangements or something, right? Rather than just I, I'd rather believe that an oversight, yeah, than just oh we forgot, this, um, yeah. but you know, uh, up there up there with the JJ Abrams, not really thinking about who Leia should hug first. Um, (laughs) all right then guys i mean overall impressions then of the night errant project so far um as i said i I think at this point my overall response was i'm really enjoying this but i'm nervous that it's not going to have enough time to stick to do what it wants to do and stick a landing um yeah what about you what about you guys
1: Yeah, I read I read the comics um, back when they were first coming out. So I didn't have that, like I didn't know how soon it was going to end. I did read the novel a little bit later. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, um, I'm into it. I was then, I still am. Um, I think Kara is a uh, really charming in her own special way uh mm-hmm. heroin um she's a, she's distinct among uh star wars protagonists um this era is very distinct um much like uh the tales of the jedi comics or the or the dawn of the jedi stuff yeah um this is a um you know th- th- this is not uh more of the same this is this is definitely yeah. a a unique take on Star Wars that deserves to be seen and enjoyed. Yeah,
0: as I think has been clear from our conversation, John Jackson Miller has done his homework. Not only in terms of the sort of the various literary references, and other references he's pulling in here, but uh he, he's really thought about this. making this era feel new and distinct and different um
1: yeah he he collaborated another thing you can find via his website although it's on starwars.com is he collaborated with the authors and illustrators of the uh star wars essential atlas which is a magnificent mm -hmm. reference work um the the best thing of its kind that has or ever may be published for Star Wars. Um, really, really impressive piece of, of scholarship. I mean, just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, that book had recently been published when Knight Errant came out, and he wrote a gazetteer as an official supplement for that mm-hmm. um, book that, uh, it, like I said, you can, you can find through his website or on StarWars.com that shows a map of Sith space at this time and um, what the Republic knows about those worlds. He's, he's very cagey in a fun sort of way about what uh, you know, the Republic knows and does not know. Like they're, they're not aware of certain places that show up in the novel. Um, And yeah, I, I mean only James Luceno and maybe more recently, Alexander freed among star Wars novelists have actually taken the time to sit down and treat the star Wars galaxy as a real mappable location where distances matter, trade routes matter. Um, the, you know, the, the things that historical novelists have to, to think about and take into account the problems that come up that they have to solve. Um, Miller absolutely thinks that way and it's it's so it's so richly rewarding to to read um it just it adds so much verisimilitude to his work and i'm 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 incredibly grateful that he's written as much as he has at this point and that he's coming back in just a few months for more
0: i was just thinking that you know as you were talking there it was just making me more and more excited for the living force and to, to see what he might have and well that that book he he's made a big He's he made a point of letting us know in advance that he, that book does include a map of the planet yeah. Quen. Yeah, you know that where the consuls are going to go. Um, I'm super excited for that book. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm very intrigued to see what that's going to be like. Um, Jesse, what about what about you? Your overall impressions then uh, of the Night Errant project so far?
2: I was really excited to carry on and a little bit sad too because I. I thought I had one comic left. Mm. I didn't realize I had two. Yeah. And so I was like, oh no, this is almost over. And um, I I wish this had gone on like Knights of the Old Republic yeah. and had more time to do what yeah. it had set out to. Yeah. There's definitely an abrupt ending because it, I think it came out in 2014 or 2013, and that's the acquisition of Disney by Star Wars or Star Wars by Disney. And so. Yeah, my, my main thing was fear that it would get, wouldn't get the ending yeah. that it deserved. I,
0: I, I think that was my concern as I was reading this stuff for the first time last year, N- loving John Jackson Miller's expansive and long-running Knights of the Old Republic comic series as much as I do, um, and, and seeing what a rich world he'd established in. The first volume of this comic, and in this novel, and knowing that I only had two volumes, ten issues of comic left, I was I was actually quite I was worried at this point that actually I'm concerned that this has been cancelled because of the acquisition, because of what's coming down the pipe, changes, whatever reason it did it it only got fifteen issues in total. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I was concerned that maybe it wasn't going to get a chance to be everything it could be. Um, so that, that was, that's kind of where I, what I was feeling about, I was feeling, I guess I was feeling apprehensive about how little of the the story we had left to enjoy after this point. But I think that that's testament to how much I loved what we'd had up to this point. You know, um, I was really hungry for more and I was worried that only 10 more issues of a comic book to, to trade paperbacks wasn't going to give me everything I wanted out of this. Yeah, I felt the same. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same. Good stuff. Good stuff. So that's um I think that's gonna do it for another episode of Legends Library. Uh, we will be back again in, in two weeks to talk about the, the last two comic volumes um of John Jackson Miller's Night errant series uh in the main plan keep those pods set to subscribe uh, there'll be more canon catch up next week uh among other treats uh, as usual and uh, not least actually an interview uh with comic author Ethan Sachs uh that should be dropping on monday next nice. week, all being well so something to look forward to on your on your monday morning um in the meantime, guys, let, let's let the folks listening know where they can find us online. Uh, Alex?
1: Uh, you can find me at books to grammaticus on Instagram. Uh, I don't post very often, but I'm still there if you hit me up in the
0: DMs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you, you're very prolific with the stories. Uh, like even if you haven't posted something so for a while, so. you're always at, you, 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 you're always sort of flagging and shouting out something, something something else nice that you yeah. think you want to care. share. You know, something that I uh, that catches my eye that I think ah people people who enjoy my particular brand might enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I know. Occasionally, so I'll, I'll, I'm like, oh, that's a nice addition of Tolkien. I've not seen that one for a while. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jesse, Jesse, why don't you let us know um, where, where folk can find you online?
2: I can be found at Legends Twin Sun 1980 on Instagram.
0: And of course, you can get a hold of me on Instagram or threads as at Journals of the Wills. That's Journals with an S and Wills with an itch. And you can reach out to the whole podcast team on all the usual social media channels. And there you are looking for at SWBC podcast for now all that remains is to say goodbye so it's a a goodbye from jesse gardner
2: all right goodbye may the force be with you
0: it's goodbye from alex taylor adios and may the force be with you that's a goodbye from me thanks for listening folks and we'll catch you next time on the star wars book community podcast